Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. Yes, it's true. Taking more APs can hurt your chances of getting in just as much as they might help your chances of getting in to your dream college. I recognize that this is an extraordinary claim. This goes against what you've probably heard from your college counselors, from your teachers, from your peers, from the Facebook groups where you read about other students who did so much and worked so hard but got rejected anyway, and the hysteria that follows when all of the messaging centers around the same thing. Take the hardest classes possible and get great grades in those classes. Then do well on your tests, demonstrate leadership, and have some kind of wow factor. I've talked about that advice that I just summarized many times on this podcast, and you can hear about why that advice only pulls out kernels of truth and really misses the main points in several of my previous podcasts. Today, I'm going to get even more specific, and I recognize this is an extraordinary claim that too many APs hurts your chances, makes it harder to get in instead of helping your chances, but it is clear that it does for a few different reasons. Now, to clarify some of the confusion, first and foremost, let's understand why AP classes are actually very important and why we should take some or even many of them and how much they can help out and why and where they help out. So first of all, many of the top most selective schools in the country, Ivy League schools and anything, I would say top 50, um, even probably beyond that now. All of these schools do say very explicitly that they care about the level of rigor in your high school. And the way that they explain this is quite clear. As you are choosing your classes to take through high school, don't just choose the classes that are easy A's so that you can slip through and brag about your high GPA. All of that is somewhat important. In fact, it's it's very important. The rigor of coursework for most selective colleges is extremely important. And to just put this in perspective, the percentage of each freshman class, if you look at your favorite colleges, any of these more selective colleges, you look at the common data set, look at section C, and you can see most of them provide this data. You can see what percentage of the students who were just admitted into the freshman class were in the top 10% of their own high school classes, their various classes. And most of the time, that number is going to be around a shockingly high number of about 95%. Sometimes it's a little bit lower. Uh, It's rarely higher than that. Maybe it's up to 96% or something like that. But you can tell if you are not one of the students who ranks in the top 10% of your high school, you don't have a great chance of getting into the most selective colleges. And yeah, that is no surprise, right? We all kind of understand that colleges are academic institutions and they care about your ability to perform well in that rigorous setting. When you get to college, they're going to be rigorous classes. And I want to be clear that AP classes are indeed more rigorous than regular classes, than honors classes, than dual enrollment classes. And there are even two kinds of classes that are even more rigorous than the AP classes. And I'm talking about the IBDP, the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program, The IBDP is more rigorous than AP, and also A-level courses, which is generally not common in the United States. These are international schools or British schools because the A-level curriculum is a British curriculum. I have taught all three. I've taught AP, I've taught IBDP, and I've taught A-level. AP is less rigorous than the IBDP, 
which is less rigorous than A-level. But still, AP classes are quite rigorous, much more rigorous than others. And when colleges ask you to show rigor, it's important that you take classes like AP classes or IBDP classes or A-level classes if you're in a school that offers those. You should take some of these classes and you should work hard and do as well as you can. And before we get to the reason why too many AP classes might be making it harder for you to get in, I do also want to emphasize two more points. And the first is that ambition should be celebrated, not discouraged. If you want to be ambitious, I support you. But I do want you to listen carefully to the rest of this podcast because you might want to consider more than just demonstrating ambition. The last thing I want to say is that some of you love studying. Some of you love taking more classes and your idea of fun is to have more homework and to study more classes. That's totally fine. If that's you, go for it. It's not a great strategy for college admissions, which you might understand a little bit better by the end of this podcast. Certainly, you can understand that by listening to previous podcasts when I've talked about it. But if you love this, you should go for it, right? High school is not just about preparing for college. So if you love taking as many rigorous classes as possible, and that's truly what you really enjoy, go for it, okay? Don't let me slow you down. But for most teenagers, most teens take lots of AP or IB or A-level classes not because they love them so much, but because they want to be more competitive for college admissions. And this choice comes from the myth that colleges are looking for the smartest students, or they're looking for the hardest working students, or they're looking for the most qualified students, right? Whatever that might mean. And again, I have spoken at length in previous podcast episodes about why those are not reflective of reality. Uh, I've talked about President Drew Faust at Harvard and her comments around how many valedictorians need to be rejected and how many students who have lower test scores and lower grade point averages get in above these valedictorians. So I've talked about this many times before, and I don't want to spend more time on that in this episode. You can listen to previous episodes to find more about that. But it's important that you know, so you can understand the rest of what we talk about today, that it is a myth that colleges are simply looking for the most qualified, that they're simply looking for the smartest, or they're looking for the hardest working. And every year around April and May, we see Facebook communities, for one, explode with stories about how insane it is that the valedictorian from such and such school got a 1540 SAT and a 4.7 GPA, but was rejected from every school that she applied to. And rather than questioning these myths, so many people in these communities buckle down to say, well, if this type of student didn't work hard enough, wasn't smart enough, wasn't qualified enough, then what hope do I possibly have or does my teenager possibly have to get in, right? What hope do the rest of us have? Rather than questioning the myths, they just buckle down and, and use that as evidence that the college admission system is broken. But actually, the question is a good one. What hope do we have? A lot of hope, it turns out. So what are the admissions teams looking for, actually? They're happy to share. Above all, they want to find a rich, diverse class of people who will work together and as an ecosystem be stronger than the sum of its parts. Okay, how do we define stronger than the sum of its parts? Well, it is good to understand a little bit more about what colleges value. Colleges want to be prestigious. They want graduates who go on and change the world. I believe that anyone who has a degree from Harvard can tell you that eight U.S. presidents came through Harvard. Why? My goodness, we were told that so many times in different ways throughout our time earning our degrees. 
And I imagine that other schools do the same thing. We also heard about Supreme Court nominees and we heard about Nobel Prize winners and all kinds of amazing people. Why? Why did we keep hearing about this? Because these people who went out and made the world a better place that worked so hard and changed the world, these people are important to Harvard and they're important to all of the different schools that they come from. Every school wants to somehow figure out which high school students today are going to go through their college, graduate, and then become the kinds of people who will really change the world, who will really make the world a better place. They also, colleges in addition to this level of prestige, they also want money. Who's going to be successful? Who's going to graduate, go out and make a lot of money and then donate it back to the college? That's an important consideration for them to think about. And whether they admit it or not, colleges do want a high ranking. They wanna be ranked highly, and this is something that they've begrudgingly admitted over the last, I would say, more than a decade. Uh, at first, these rankings were totally meaningless. And perhaps sometime I'll do a podcast just about how awful the rankings are in so many ways. They really, really distort kind of this entire process of how we should choose a college and what makes a college a good fit for us. But regardless, at first, when these rankings came out, college presidents ignored them. They even made fun of them but no more. That has not been the case in a long, long time. Colleges know that the higher they're ranked, the more applications they're going to get. The more applications they get, the higher caliber of student pool they get to choose from, and they're going to be more likely to find these people who will go out and change the world, right? So they do want to be highly ranked. That's really important. The other thing that colleges really want to figure out is how do we create this happy, successful class? This rich, diverse class that we talked about, how do we put it together in a way that makes sure that everyone is happy and everyone is successful. So they care about your character. They care about your core values. And each college is going to have its own institutional priorities. So this is where they need to figure out, do they need a tuba player this year? Do they need a, I don't know, a, a football player that plays a certain position? Or do they need a couple new people on the crew team? Whatever those institutional priorities are, that plays a role into how they construct that class of students. But ultimately, what they're trying to figure out is which of these students are going to take the greatest advantage of the amazing resources that exist on campus and then go out and make the world a better place when they finish college. Colleges do want to find students who can handle the academic rigor of their colleges that can, will be successful at college. And so APs do fit because colleges are academic institutions. Colleges want to increase their rankings. Colleges want to find students who can handle the rigor. So it's important to take AP classes or IB or A-level classes. It's important to take these harder classes if they're available to you. And it's important to do well. But when colleges understand that there's a very low correlation between the grades earned in high school and success later on after college, in other words, the kinds of people who start businesses and then hire straight-A students, those students are often not the straight-A students. The colleges understand that there's a low correlation between success academically at getting good grades in high school and then success after college is finished. And if there's a low correlation there, then how do we find the people who are going to go out and change the world? Not only are we not looking for a whole bunch of people who are the smartest or the most qualified or the hardest working, because that's not going to create a rich, diverse class of students, but also, we know that a lot of the people who just have their heads stuck in a book are going to end up being professors, right? If you're one of those people who just loves researching and studying and taking harder and harder classes and it's just a joy to you, that's your idea of fun, 
you're going to love researching the rest of your life and you should be a professor. And colleges want a few of those people, right? They want a few of you. The problem is that there are so many others who have heard that they need to show how rigorous they are, how hardworking they are, how smart, how qualified they are. And so all around us, we hear people saying, take more APs, take more rigorous classes, more, 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 more. And the idea here is that if you take 12 APs and someone else only takes nine, then you have an advantage. But that is not what the admissions officers say. Of course, I can't speak for all 4,000 universities in the United States. There may be a school out there who literally says, we just line everyone up based on how many AP classes they took, and we accept the students who took the most AP classes. But I've never heard of this college. I haven't found it, and I doubt you'll find it either. I don't think it exists. Because colleges know better, right? You do need to take some AP classes. You do need to show some rigor but you don't need to take as many as possible. Why? Because you are giving up the opportunity to have time to be curious. You're giving up the opportunity to have time to go pursue your non-academic interests. You're giving up the opportunity to make yourself fascinating. And when push comes to shove and there are 40,000 or 50 or 60,000 applications, and all of them show outstanding rigor and high test scores and demonstrated leadership and wow factor. How do you make yourself interesting? How do you make yourself stand out? I promise you, it is not by taking an extra AP class. So next week in our next podcast, I'm going to do a part two and we'll talk about how to cut back on your APs and how to know how many is the right amount. Because Ultimately, your schedule, your academic schedule is going to empower or limit your ability to go pursue things that actually make you interesting, that actually help you stand out. If you don't have time to figure out your core values, then how can you communicate to the admissions officer where you fit into that rich, diverse class of students? And if you can't describe it to the admissions officer, how could you possibly expect them to connect the dots on your behalf and figure it out for you. They're exhausted. Their brains are frazzled after reading just countless essays. The last thing you want to do is confuse your admissions officer or ask them to connect the dots for you. You need to take the time and you need to have the time available to take that time, right? And that can only happen if you're taking a reasonable academic course load. In part two, we'll talk about how to make that happen. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.